Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, as we've been discussing, it's no secret the Democrats have been spending big to support Republicans they think they can actually beat handily in November. Uh, some of those Republicans are, are winning primaries and uh, moving on to those November ballots. Uh, and whether you agree with someone's point of view or not, I think what's happening across the country is not good. Uh, it's not good for the intellectual diversity in Washington, D.C., and it's a strategy. I think it's uh, be careful what you wish for uh, when it comes to the Democrats who are spending big in some of these races. And it's also one of those uh, politics making very interesting bedfellows as you have uh, some far left Democrats and President Trump uh, and his organization tag teaming in some of these primaries in a most unusual way. To help us break all of that down, Eric Bame, of course, uh, from Reason, uh, covers the, uh, economic policy, trade policy and elections. And uh, he's been diving into this as well, Reason.com. And uh, Eric, thanks for joining us. And uh, this was a really interesting tag team. Let's start uh, in Michigan uh, just for our listeners who are catching up, uh, describe how this played out and what the tag team really looked like. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Boyd. Uh, this is uh, we're talking here about the the election results last night in the congressional primaries that were held in Michigan, and, and specifically, I think the most interesting race there is the one that unfolded in the third district. This is the uh, this district has been through some interesting times recently because this is uh, Justin Amash was the representative from that district. Uh, for a number of years, and uh, of course, he uh, had his uh, had his little fights with uh, with former President Donald Trump uh, off and on again. Eventually, basically got booted out of the Republican Party over the fact that he supported the uh, first impeachment of uh, of Trump, and then uh, he eventually was replaced by Peter Meyer, who's the uh, the new representative there. And uh, Meyer has also been something of a critic of uh, of former President Trump as well, despite being a Republican. He was one of the ten. Republicans who voted in favor of uh, Trump's second impeachment, the one that was uh, connected to Trump's behavior and uh, and uh, sort of uh, the, the way in which he uh, uh, perhaps helped egg on the uh, January 6th riot at the Capitol. And uh, he has now been defeated last night in a primary by a Trump-backed challenger. He's now the uh, actually the second of those 10 Republicans to go down in a primary. So this is a sort of a, an ongoing story, a microcosm maybe, that tells an interesting story about the Republican Party's evolution, not just not just exclusively under Trump, but sort of in and around the Trump years. Yeah, and it and it uh, even extends beyond that. The thing that makes this even more fascinating to me is the one the fact that you've got this uh, Republican infighting going on. At the same time, uh, you have Democrats uh, who all cheered uh, Representative Mayer when uh, when he voted to impeach the president, called it moral courage and standing up to the oath of office that you took. Uh, and Democrats weighed in in a significant way uh, from a funding yeah. standpoint when it came to this race. 
Yeah, that's right. Democrats, uh, specifically the the Democratic uh, House Congressional Democratic uh, Campaign Committee, put uh, about four hundred thousand dollars behind John Gibbs, who was the uh, the Trump backed, Trump endorsed challenger to Representative Meyer, who won last night in that primary. Um, and that amount of money uh, funded an ad that's one of these. This has kind of been a Democratic playbook in a bunch of states this year. Is is an ad that. Uh, looks at first blush like an attack ad against, uh, in this case, it was John Gibbs. The ad called him, you know, too conservative for Western Michigan. But really what's going on here, it's a little bit of, of psych ops, if you will, right? Like this is an ad that is deliberately meant to be seen by Republican voters. And like, oh, well, if the Democrats don't want me to vote for that guy, then I'm going to totally vote for that guy. And, uh, you know, the extent to which this has been effective, I guess, is debatable. It's, it's always hard to know exactly how much any political ad or, or political ad buy moves the needle. But uh, in this case, that's a, that's a sizable amount of money. $400,000 is, is about 100 times the amount of money that Trump actually gave. Trump's endorsement, of course, is worth probably more than, than any sum of money could be to, to a Republican primary right now. But uh, it's, yeah, it's a sizable ad buy. And in a race that was ultimately decided by less than 4,000 votes, I think it's fair to say that uh, that ad may have had an impact here. And so Democrats may have uh, elevated and, and not just may have, but like deliberately were clearly hoping to elevate a candidate who has openly espoused some of the very conspiracy theories that Democrats on the national stage say are you know, toxic to the, the state of American democracy and, and uh, you know, has been a, a vocal supporter of the president, of the former president, um, who uh, has you know, deliberately undermined or attempted to undermine the outcomes of elections in the past. So, uh, look, politics is a dirty game, but this is the sort of thing that uh, I think really sacrifices the moral high ground that Democrats might have on some of these issues about elections and about January 6th. Yeah, I think that's uh, to me the the most interesting part of it is that moral high ground. Uh, if you're if you're going to stand and declare that uh, January sixth and and any kind of candidate or any kind of believer in any of those conspiracies or deniers or whatever, if they are the uh, quintessential and existential threat to our democracy, uh, and you're spending money to make sure that someone wins who believes that, uh, just so that you can win and maintain power. Uh, I, I think you lose that high ground really fast and uh, and it starts to, to unravel pretty quickly. Uh, what else are you seeing uh, in, in kind of the irony of all of this and uh, who it brings together? And we know that both Republicans and Democrats have done this over the years in terms of kind of meddling yeah. in the other's primary. Uh, but but what does that really do for us? Uh, obviously, we're at a time when we're low trust in terms of our institutions and our elected officials. Uh, does this just uh, take one more layer off of the trust factor? Yeah, I think it absolutely does that. And it's just, you know, it just further adds to our already incredibly cynical politics, right? That's what's going on here. And I mean, it's obvious what, what the Democratic goal here is, and that is to get the, the Trump-backed candidate, the MAGA candidate nominated in the primary uh, so that you can then run against that guy instead of running against the incumbent, like middle of the road moderate Peter Meyer in the uh, general election in November. And so that's the that's the whole game plan here. This is a district. Again, it's you know, you have to all politics are ultimately local. And this is the third congressional district in Michigan, which is a red ish, but leaning purple, definitely winnable for Democrats in November. So it's one of those districts where uh, Democrats look at this and they're facing a difficult midterm. And, you know, you can totally understand where the background conversations go of like, well, hey, this is a district that we could pick up if only we weren't running against a guy like Peter Meyer, who would be more difficult for a Democrat to beat. 
so that's, you know, that's the game. It's all, you know, it's, it's just that as cynical as can be. Um, and uh, it's the same game that they've played in, in Pennsylvania. There was a similar ad buy made by the, the presumptive Democratic nominee, the guy who ended up being the Democratic nominee during the Republican primary, attacking uh, State Senator Doug Mastriano, who actually participated in some of the protests on January 6th and has been a, a vocal supporter of the president and has you know, openly talked about the election conspiracy theories, uh, former president, I should say, uh, and the, the, the conspiracy theories that Trump had pushed about the election. And uh, he ended up winning, uh, again, very narrowly in a, in a multi-way race there in, in Pennsylvania to become governor. They've done the same thing in races in Colorado and Maryland, a couple other places. So, uh, you know, Democrats feel like this is a winning playbook for them. And maybe it is. Maybe that'll bear itself out. Like maybe Democrats will end up winning these races in November because they're running against uh, against these more extreme right wing candidates. On the other hand, this is a really dangerous game. And if you're sincerely worried about the state of American democracy and you're sincerely worried about the types of people who might be elected to powerful positions uh, out of the Republican Party in the next uh, few months or the next couple of cycles, uh, if you're really worried about that, you shouldn't be helping those people win like that yeah. full stop. You just shouldn't do that. Uh, and so it's difficult, I think, for Democrats to with one hand talk about preserving democracy and, and you know, with their wallets, support candidates uh, like they're doing. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, such a, uh, a conflict there. And again, they may they may win an election. They may hold on to power, yeah. uh, but that doesn't mean they actually get to to lead. I've, I've been dying to ask you this question, Eric, because this is the one that keeps rattling around my head. Uh, and that is as voters. We, we often say, you know, I want I want a representative who's going to stand up, who's going to speak out, who's going to do it when it's uncomfortable, when it's unpopular. Uh, they're going to take the tough stand. They're going to honor their oath to the Constitution. Uh, and, and so we say a lot of that. But then when our representatives do just that, uh, we saw this down in Arizona as well in a uh, with uh, the Speaker of the House, uh, you know, yep. just getting trounced. Uh, in a, in a Senate race down there, and we've seen another place around the country, including uh, with with Mr. Meyer. Uh, is it that as voters we we like to say that's what we want, but we only want that if if they agree with us? <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I think I mean, look, we can and and just to be fair here, we can talk a lot about the Democratic ad buys and the and the cynicism of all that. At the end of the day, these are Republican primary voters who are right. making these choices, right? And like. And so we have to believe them, I think, when they make these choices, that they are very clearly in a lot of states during this spring and summer indicating the type of candidates that they want to run for office. And it's and it's not not completely, not unanimously, but overwhelmingly so. It is these uh, Trump backed MAGA candidates, election denier, however you want to describe them. Right. It's, it's that camp that is winning the majority of these races. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, it's always dangerous to speak out against the majority faction in your own party, especially. And I think you see that you see that very much so in this third district in Michigan, right, where Justin Amash was shown the door. And now Peter Meyer has been shown the door for doing that exact thing. Um, and you can run down the list of other, you know, Adam Kinzinger in, in Illinois, a bunch yeah. of other, uh, you know, similar Republicans across the country. So uh, at the end of the day, you, yes, we can point to the, to the Democratic ad buys and say, hey, that's, you know, that's that's dumb. That's nasty. Don't do that. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately, these are Republican primary voters making these choices. And that is a, a bigger problem, honestly, and one that, uh, you know, I don't know that the Republican Party 
has fully grappled with, although maybe it has. Like, I guess this is just the Republican Party now. Like, I guess it has grappled with that problem. Yeah, and I think it's uh, and I think it's one that's going to continue uh, on both sides of the aisle. And uh, I've been saying all day today, you know, when when it comes to how we vote and the kind of behavior that we reward, if we keep rewarding yeah. people for not standing up, or we just re- reward people for nice tweets or uh, you know outrageous social media stuff. Uh, that we do get what we pay for, but ultimately we end up paying for what we get by our choices. And it seems to me that the country is uh, is careening towards uh, that kind of model where we sort of do end up with a cacistocracy uh, of those that are just really good at social media rather than are really good at governing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you see that in the, the one race in Missouri, the Senate race this week, too. It was a, a similar situation, right, where Trump put out the nomination and he just said he was nominating Eric Eric and there were two candidates in the race whose first name were Eric uh my first name is also Eric I, I don't think the <laughs> former president was endorsing me uh but uh but and, and so like there was just this rush by both parties you know both candidates on Twitter uh to uh, claim that it was you know it was meant to be them you know it was obviously the president the former president is, is endorsing me um, and uh, so it's, yeah, it's just like the memification of politics or the weird, you know, I, I have no idea if Trump was playing a joke there or, or what the deal is. Uh, I kind of hope it was just a joke. Um, but the, the, the level of like debasing that goes on in these races to score his nomination care is, uh, his, his, his uh, endorsement, because it is so important. Um, that's like, that's concerning to me as somebody who cares about policies and as yeah. somebody who. Uh, you know, thinks that that Republicans actually do have a, a pretty strong argument uh, in the current economy and in the current political environment, a pretty strong argument on policy grounds for the types of things that Republicans used to believe in yeah. uh, free trade and, and lower taxes and, and, you know, fixing the economy, things like that. Um, and there's just no space for any of that because it's all about, you know, it really is all about the former president's uh, endorsement at the moment. And uh, and it's all about, you know, making the right, as you said, sort of having the right tweets or, you know, having the right message, even if it's a, a message that's actually pretty in- incoherent once you dig into it. Yeah. Well, you're you're an Eric we could all vote for. If you move to the state of Utah, we'll, we'll get you on the ballot. We'll get you an endorsement. I will not run, and if elected, I will not serve. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Eric Bain, reporter for Reason, one of our favorite uh, inside sources. Always great writing, always a fantastic perspective. Eric, thanks for joining us today, and we'll figure out a way to get you on the ballot. Thanks a lot, boy. No, no thanks, actually. (laughs) All right. Eric Vame, great insight there. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. More to come on Inside Sources. Stick around. We'll be back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.